0: Tales from the Rep. Morgue is presented by Malone University. (coughs) Lieutenant Joseph C. Meunier's train pulled into Louisville in late September 1918 with an unwanted passenger. (coughs) Lieutenant Meunier, 27 was a military doctor on leave from Camp Meade in Maryland. He had traveled to Louisville to see his mother. It would be Meunier's last visit home. (coughs) Soon after getting to Louisville, the young lieutenant fell ill. A week later, on October 1st, Meunier was dead, the first documented victim of Spanish influenza in Stark County. Before it was over, the flu would kill at least 463 people in the county. A small chapter in a pandemic that infected a third of the world's population and killed 50 million to 100 million victims. Welcome to Tales from the Rep Morgue, the podcast that probes the 200 year old archive of the Canton Repository. I'm your host, Shane Hoover. This is the first of four episodes of The Rep Morgue that will look at the Spanish influenza and its impact on Canton and Stark County. Part 1. Context is Everything The flu pandemic of 1918 and 1919 was so severe that it cut life expectancy in the United States by 12 years for men and women in just a few months. It's a favorite topic of Kim Kenny. Assistant director and curator of the McKinley Presidential Library and Museum. I find the 1918 flu pandemic fascinating. Um, It's such a scary time for people, and the way that it all unfolded, it's it's horrifying and yet fascinating. One hundred years later, Spanish influenza informs the government's response to infectious diseases, and impacts the families of pandemic victims. Yet. It is shrouded by a collective amnesia, despite killing more Americans than the Civil War. It's weird. Um, Historically, it's one of the top things we don't talk about. We don't write about it. We don't think about it. Um, It's only recently gotten some attention where people have written books about it. But even in encyclopedias, it would mention it and kind of drastically downplay the impact and how many people were affected the repository's digital archive is packed with contemporary stories on the pandemic. But any trip into the archives must be taken with caution. Newspaper accounts are rough drafts of history, limited by the information available to reporters and colored by their biases and prejudices. That's particularly true of the flu pandemic. Spanish influenza erupted during the final year of World War I, And you can't understand the pandemic without understanding that time. Start with the state of medical knowledge. Today we know the Spanish influenza was an H1N1 virus closely related to classic swine flu. While infecting both humans and pigs, the virus likely started as a virus in birds. But scientists had a limited understanding of viruses in 1918 and many doctors believed the flu was caused by bacteria. Doctors also lacked flu vaccines and antiviral drugs. They didn't have antibiotics to treat a secondary infection of pneumonia, nor did they have ventilators to support seriously ill patients. Then there was the war. World War I was a major factor in how the pandemic flu spread and shaped how we understand it today. The Spanish influenza didn't come from Spain, despite the name. In fact, it might have started in a desolate corner of Kansas, although no one knows for sure. But Spain got the naming rights because it was one of the few neutral European countries during the war, and its press wasn't censored. So early reports about the flu came from Spain. The war also shaped the early spread of the flu in the United States. The first cases were in military camps. Then the virus spread to the civilian population. Of the 675,000 Americans who died in the pandemic, 43,000 were in the military. The war setting also restricted reporting on the flu. At a Centers for Disease Control and Prevention conference on the pandemic, historian John Barry said the flu struck at a time when patriotism was more important than truth. No one wanted to hurt morale or be accused of doing so. According to Barry, national, state, and local officials told half-truths, or outright lies, about the flu. One moment, they would say the disease was nothing to fear. Then they would close all of the businesses, and people would start dying. Newspapers were not immune to wartime pressure. Some wrote about the flu when it was far away, but went silent when deaths came to their own city. It's hard to know if the repository pulled its punches. The paper certainly repeated the denials and assurances of health officials, but it also published daily lists of flu victims. Part 2, when we come back. Malone University is proud to be Canton's university with more than 50 programs that lead to careers in all fields. Finish your degree or earn your advanced degree through our adult programs. Find out more at www.malone.edu. Part two, over there. America had never fought a war like the Great War, as World War I was known. Through the draft and enlistment, the military swelled from an army of 127,000 men to 4.8 million uniformed personnel. Factories switched from making civilian goods to military equipment. Thousands of communities formed Red Cross chapters to support the troops. And a quarter of U.S. doctors and nurses were in the military when the Spanish flu hit America. Lieutenant Joseph Meunier, the first reported flu victim in Stark County, was one of them. Meunier was the son of a French immigrant who settled in Louisville. He had captained Mount Union's football team before his career in medicine. Three months before his death, the young doctor left his job at a Cleveland hospital and joined the Army. Meunier's post, Camp Meade, was one of 30 new bases built by the Army to house and train the hundreds of thousands of new soldiers. Overcrowded camps with poor sanitation and constant troop movements were perfect conditions for breeding and spreading a new and extremely virulent strain of the flu virus. The first wave of flu cases hit the military in the spring of 1918, starting with an outbreak among the 56,000 troops at what is now Fort Riley, Kansas in early March. The disease then spread to other camps. A second, more lethal wave erupted in September 1918 at camps in New England. The disease was brutal. Patients turned blue as they tried to breathe with fluid-filled lungs. Violent coughing broke their ribs. Patients bled from their noses and sometimes from their mouths, eyes, and ears, although the most extreme bleeding likely was caused by overdoses of aspirin. Dr. Roy Grist, a physician at an army camp near Boston, wrote a friend about the terrible disease at the end of September. These men start with what appears to be an ordinary attack of Lagrip or influenza, but when brought to the hospital, they very rapidly develop the most vicious type of pneumonia that has ever been seen. It is only a matter of a few hours then, until death comes. It's horrible. One can stand it to see one, two, or twenty men die, but to see these poor devils dropping like flies? We have been averaging about one hundred deaths per day. It takes special trains to carry away the dead. For several days there were no coffins, and the bodies piled up something fierce. It beats any sight they ever had in France after a battle. Dr. Roy Grist. The flu is generally most dangerous for the very young and the old, but Spanish influenza hit young, otherwise healthy adults. Nearly half of pandemic deaths were among adults ages 20 to 40. Canton servicemen were among the early victims. A couple of days after Lieutenant Meunier arrived at Louisville in late September, the repository reported the death of Emil Lockman, a 26-year-old sailor at the Great Lakes Naval Training Station in Chicago. On October 2nd, the day after Meunier's death, the repository noted the passing at Camp Gordon, Georgia, of Sergeant Burt Baker, a 21-year-old who used to run a linotype machine at the newspaper. The next day's paper reported the death of Lieutenant John C. Bowman, a local doctor posted to a naval hospital in Philadelphia. The flu also raged through Camp Sherman near Chillicothe, Ohio. By October 4th, almost 4,000 flu cases had been reported at Camp Sherman, and another 350 cases were reported in the nearby town. Carl F. Lennis, a 25-year-old medical student from Canton, was among the first flu deaths at Camp Sherman. Two months earlier, he had gone to the camp as an assisting surgeon at the base hospital. When word reached Canton that Lennis was ill, his mother and sister left for Camp Sherman. They were with him when he died, the paper reported. Whether they got sick, too, is unknown. Lennis was among the more than 1,700 soldiers who died at Camp Sherman. Authorities stacked their bodies in a makeshift morgue at the Majestic Theater in Chillicothe. During embalming, undertakers drained so many fluids down an alley next to the theater that it was called Blood Alley. By the end of October 1918, at least 21 soldiers and sailors from Canton, including several doctors, were dead from flu, many of them at Camp Sherman. Part 3, When We Come Back Malone University is proud to be Canton's university with more than 50 programs that lead to careers in all fields. Finish your degree or earn your advanced degree through our adult programs. Find out more at www.malone.edu. Part 3. Gathering Storm Officially, Canton remained untouched by the pandemic, but the storm was gathering. Canton's Red Cross chapter dispatched 30 doctors and nurses to treat flu victims at an army camp in Kentucky in early October, and Red Cross volunteers handed out 10,000 booklets on how to avoid the flu. The tips included treat all colds as the flu, avoid crowds, regulate bodily functions, and avoid feeling or spreading fear of the disease. Dr. Charles A. Lamont, the city's health officer, assured the public there was no need for worry. Spanish influenza is nothing more than the old-fashioned grip. We have had grip in Canton for years, and this Spanish influenza differs from the grip only in that it is in a slightly more virulent and contagious form. This epidemic, now prevalent, is not as serious a problem as that of tuberculosis or venereal diseases. Dr. Charles A. Lamont, October 6. Still, anyone spitting on the sidewalk might be classified as pro-German, Lamont told the repository. Two days later, Lamont again claimed Spanish influenza was not in Canton. Even though Alliance already had closed its schools after seeing 500 flu cases and four deaths in 36 hours. As Lamont spoke, 35-year-old Henry J. Zeiger was dying at home on Auburn Place Northwest. Zeiger, an engineer and director of the Zettler Building Company, had been sick for a week. His wife, parents, and two sisters also were ill. Spanish influenza was in Canton and it had started to kill. Thanks for listening to the Rep Morgue podcast, and special thanks to our voice talent for this episode, Dwight Keir and Ed Pritchard. You can check out the show notes for this episode and listen to other episodes of the Rep Morgue at cantonrep.com. Our theme music is Blind by Maidon. Next time on Tales from the Rep Morgue, presented by Malone University. You could be a perfectly healthy person and then within 24 hours you could be dead.